0: you <music>
1: the world. Jamie Neal, the host, asked many questions about their mindset and how they fundamentally operate their world and the world around them. Here at 360 Yourself, we are very proud and honoured to be partnered with General Assembly. We embrace this with open arms to a new adventure. General Assembly is a global tech education company focused on the most in-demand areas today. So that's anything from UX, digital marketing, coding, data science, data analytics to travel writing and ethics. Our slash their main goal is to get you where you want to be. You can find out more about them at ga.co online or across all socials at ga we also encourage you to please rate and comment about us on Apple Podcasts. If you do enjoy what we bring to your ears, we'd love to hear about it. Hello and welcome back to 360 Yourself. I hope you're having a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. We have a lot of listeners all around the world, so that's really great. And I just love, I love tapping in every single time to our data system and seeing where we, are, we have our listeners. It's just... It's amazing the technology. I, I keep saying this to a lot of my friends and people around me that I just honestly, I can't believe that how fast technology is moving forward. What's going to happen in ten years' time? And and also now with this uh, whole craze of NFT art and crypto art, it's just like, it's blowing the water of technology. It's crazy. But what we need to think about as well, as much as technology is moving forward, is actually protecting already what's around us at this moment in time. And I watch this brilliant uh netflix series called sea spiracy um and it's basically just it starts off with a filmmaker exploring like the world around him with the sea and and its wonder its beauty and then it goes like deeper and darker and basically how humans are harming um species with fishing and that sort of thing and and i'm based in the i'm based in devon um and so Seafood is really, really important to my diet. I have it pretty much about four times a week, but I don't go to um, like normal stores like Waitrose or Asda or Tesco's or anything. We go to um, our local harbour, which you can see fresh fish, and so you can see it like literally caught that morning at six a.m. And we do that every week. And it's uh, for me, it's really important to make sure my my seafood, especially my meat as well, is is taken care of. And I and this this oh awful awful. Um, experience that happens with these animals and it, it i really encourage you to watch because i think you become much, much more sensitive to how sea life is it happens and how we can i don't know do something do our bit i think if everyone does their little bit to maybe minimize their consumption of seafood um basically highlighting the awful things that are happening to our planet it's really really important and david attenborough of course is doing his thing and raising the flag and it's the more people that are producing these documentaries that that uh, highlight these industries that billion dollar trillion dollar industries that um take advantage of our sea it's really really important to do our bit and to highlight it and to make sure that we support the organizations that try trying to stop them or trying to minimize the consumption of just overproduced seafood um so moving slightly on to a more of a lighter note i had a really brilliant guest on with me recently um he's head of talent at rogue films he used to work as a um a director's rep at pretty Birds, um and he's just amazing like we just talked about life and about his journey and about how he didn't really have a sort of plan and I think the more people I talk to on this podcast, the more I understand that some people, uh, well, more people don't really have like a, a plan or a route because you can plan something, but generally it won't work out. You, you just got to be flexible, and malleable. And I think that's the best um, skill to have in this world is just to be a bit more relaxed and a bit more chilled because you never know what's going to happen. And you just kind of welcome it. And the only thing you can actually um, control is your reaction and we talked about his journey about how he went from one job to one job and then it, it thought it was going to happen that didn't and it thought it was going to happen and didn't and I know a lot of people who's listening to this this episode um, or even now um, can totally relate to when you think a job or a project's going to happen and then suddenly it just falls and you've got to pick yourself up again and you've got to be persistent then do the next thing and then do the next thing and hopefully one of these strings or one of these pies that you've got your fingers in will just drop and so i I commend everyone to really pay attention to this episode because it was really, really helpful for me as well in this lockdown situation to really um, understand that uh, I've got to keep pushing on, I've got to be persistent, I've just got to like, pick myself up and keep going. So I really want you to introduce you to Charlie Robson. Hey Charlie, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty well, Jamie. I am uh, working from home, and um, so far, so good. It's no way, you're
1: working from home? That's crazy. It yeah. Seems like
0: everyone's doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a thing at the minute. It's I know. A it's like a, it's like a trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels it feels like one of those trends that everyone's hoping to die pretty soon. So I oh, did. Looking you... forward to getting back in the office.
1: But also, like. On another sort of level, we are, there is a roadmap, right, that the government has set out, but there's all these protests are happening in London about anti-lockdown, and I'm a bit confused, maybe you can enlighten me, but like people are going on protests going against the lockdown regime, but there's a clear roadmap that we're coming out of lockdown, so I don't understand what they are protesting about.
0: I mean, I guess it's, if, I mean, I if, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, it's just, I, mean, I don't understand. I, yeah. I wasn't out there, I wasn't out there um, banging that particular drum, but, um, and it does seem at least there's some relief and, and, and a way out, but I guess, you know, with all the various kind of political things that seem to have happened, anything that spikes, and, and it, is a point of, of, you know, entry into society for people. And it's an opportunity, I guess, to to be heard. I think being at home all the time or, you know, within your bubble, you know, if you feel strongly about something with the internet, you know, so many voices can find their, you know, their place to meet up and have these discussions. And it's like, it seems to be like, uh, you know, you you light that flame and it fans and everybody finds themselves out there. And they're like, shit, there's people here, brilliant. (laughs)
1: Yeah, because it, was, it was also <laughs> happening in Bristol as well. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know if you heard about it in Bristol, but people were there. Were some people who were protesting just normally, and then there was a group of people who just took it a extra step further and were yep. setting fire to like police vans and stuff against police gaining more power and like, funding or something. This is what I read.
0: Well, I mean, it was a strange one because when I saw it was called "Kill the Bill," I was like, "Is that?" Is that old bill? Because that's a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. kill the bill was the name of this thing. And I I, I mean, whether or not it was just done in a kind of reactionary way or it was about a particular bill, I don't know. But you're bound to get conflict with a with a headline like that. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's just that there's just so much kind of going on in what is right and morality at the moment, especially with the. um the the rape murder with Sarah I think it was last week or the week after and so obviously that's really been hei- heightened and obviously yeah. people are a bit tentative at the moment with even with police because of the George Floyd thing and obviously that was in America but there's been a lot of kind of look on what are police and how they're being run
0: as well Com- completely it's it's been it's been in every single way, obviously, one of the strangest years, and hopefully one that will kind of live within a slight capsule and that we can go, "Wow, that's what happens when you put everyone inside and yeah, um, but you know it, it's been a kind of pause of a year, hasn't it, and and so much time for introspection and reflection and kind mm. of you know what do I think about things? People have really kind of been given that time to think, I guess, and, and also latch on to things that maybe they hadn't thought about as well. So yeah, it does. It does feel like you know one one particular cause after another, and ov- obviously lots of them extremely worthy. And 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 thank God they've happened. Those questions have been asked, but um, it does. You kind of feel like when when can people focus a little bit more on other things and yeah. hopefully get you know re engaged in society yeah. and do things as, as much yeah. as protest is a brilliant thing.
1: Yeah, and so. Cause you have a really unique job, like as has head of talent for rogue films. And has it made you because re- a a lot of people have been reflecting on their path and their journey? Has it has it also been for you as well about where you are at and where you want to go and stuff?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean I, I have to say <laughs> it's kind of just been happening and you know, stay staying afloat has been the number one thing. Yeah. But, you know, even in, you know, since we initially spoke and, you know, you very kindly invited me to come and talk to you, you know, I had a little think and what, what that journey has looked like and how I have ended up in a, where I am. And it feels like it's been a blink of an eye, but actually there is a kind of, of cor- a course of, of, of you know, different roles and jobs I had, which all seem to have gone in the same direction. And there's been quite a lot of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, so, what, so
1: what is your journey then? Like, t- tell me, like, from the beginning, did you, when you were even like a child, did you want to work in production, working with filmmakers? Where did it all start?
0: Well, uh, it, it's it's one. I mean, I was I was very lucky. My my dad was a director, and he was once a you know a long time ago. You know, he was in, in the seventies and eighties. He was he was kind of a, a bit of a face, and he was he he was. Um, he directed amazing things like the Far Show, um, I mean, very kind of com- comedy sketch show of its time, um, and you know, it felt like this completely other world. You know, if, if you, I don't know if you, if you know people or if you have people who work in production, it's a kind of a strange job because they go away and then they come back. You know, particularly a director, it's a job where, you know, they, you don't get up in the morning and go to work. You know, he was there or he wasn't there. And if he wasn't there, he was at work. And it was this whole other world of, you know, you're a kid, you do you do what you do. Although it was amazing, probably you take it for granted and go, this, this amazing thing. I mean, and he has a journey all of his own is how he got there. But it didn't really feel like part of my life in a strange way. Um, <clears throat> And, and throughout, you know, growing up, although I was interested, I was interested in watching TV, you know, like, like most kids, as opposed to necessarily the, the process. And, you know, you, you kind of think, oh, it'd be amazing to be a director, but I, I remember my dad saying, you know, if you're a director, you make films, you know, if you're a photographer, you take photos, you know, you're a musician, you pick up the guitar and you play. And that's what you do because that's what drives you to be that person. And I never had that instinct necessarily to pick up a camera and want to make films in terms of the actual, you know, uh, the process, whereas the larger process of finding an idea and putting something together always fascinated me. So it was, you know, over over a course of time, music was what I was initially you know, was attracted to, and I studied music, and, you know, I used to produce music, and it, you know, I was a DJ, you know, in the garage days, and, and all of that, and I thought <laughs> everyone, it was Everyone was a DJ, or everyone is becoming a DJ exactly. now. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, it, uh, at the time, you know, I had decks in a little, tiny little garden shed that I had at the back of my mum and dad's house and all my mates used to come by and sit in there and smoke weed basically and you know play sort of all the songs now which are coming round again and it was brilliant but you know there was no exposure at the time you know we used to make tapes like actual yeah. tapes and take them to school. And it was it was brilliant. I mean, you know, every, you know, I had lots of friends that had MC names, and I won't go into what my DJ name was, but it, you know, I had no particular audience other than my, you know, my, my pals. Um, but you know, e- even through that process, there there was a point that you know, I had friends that were very talented, you know, that you know, were MCs, and I thought, and I and I loved that, and I was drawn to that, and I was excited by you know the 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 not just the skill and the the intrinsic talent that they had, but the ability to reach people, the people that were good. Oftentimes what you find though, is that the people that are very good at things are very good at that thing. And the other part of it, which is the promotion and all the rest of it requires another skill. And I was always fully infused by people that had those skills and, and, and felt that, you know, duty bound almost to, to kind of, uh, you know, introduce people to what they did. So, you know, I went to, I, I studied music and I produced music, but it was almost in order to create a platform for the people that I thought were, were that good, that, you know, maybe it was a singer and I worked and collaborated with all sorts of people, less so about what I could do, more to elevate what they could do. And it sounds like a strange thing, doesn't it? It's like, mm. so what you did what you did in order for other people to shine. But I think that like, they kind of go hand in hand. In order to for them to shine, you, you're going to it requires a certain, you know, drive to, to push that to the forefront. So, you know, that was kind of my my initial introduction to, to that that world of wanting to be a part of it as opposed to maybe the the front man, and um, you know, I I, I have done lots and lots of jobs you know I did the, you know made tea and coffee and, and was a runner was straight out of school. But
1: was you, was and, you a good teammate? You know, that's That's my first question. Was you a good team
0: Shocking. <gasps> shocking. Shocking. I was belligerent. I was uh, you know <laughs> lazy. I wasn't a great runner I'm not gonna lie um, but I, I was keen to be involved and I always thought well I, I want to do the good bit and I, and I forgot that you have to go through the shit first. Yeah. In order, but to, in, be, in order to be a to really good runner,
1: I once had it on, on a set. I was I, I was feeling a bit really rough because I had some... I'm allergic to chili. And basically, a couple of days beforehand, um, I had a chili intake and I was really, really bad. And, I, and then a couple of days later, I had to do a job and I was really still coming off this chili thing. And uh, I was on set, and we we're in this random place, and it's like a three-day job, and I was set, and I was just not told anyone, because I was feeling really ill. And this runner came up to me, and uh, this is what I, I I always remember his name now. He's um, called Daniel, and um, if you're listening, Daniel, amazing. And basically, he there was no coffee place in sight, and I just said, you know, what? I really really like like a decaf oat milk latte because that's my that's my coffee choice. And this guy went out like for 30 minutes searching for his coffee just to like make me feel a bit better. Cause I was I was white, I was just like awful. And he just it just he went out with his way he got it, and then he gave it to me and I just and I give him a massive hug. And I was just like, I'm so grateful that you've done that, that you paid just a bit of tension, you could understand that I was in such pain and just torment yeah. from this. On. But I always believe that runners, I mean, people say that runners are these people that just they run around they get things but they're human beings one and two they really make the environment so much better if you've got a good runner who's paying attention to the energy and just going if you need water i'm on water because like sometimes you have the italics are on set and they just need the water and they need it straight away because we've only got a certain amount of time to shoot a look or whatever that is and if a runner's really on it and he's got the water ready, it makes such a massive difference for the whole production. And I've always believed that runners are such an essential hard-working position, and you shouldn't just write it off as oh, it's just a runner.
0: No, no, I mean, you know, runners and often you know, people have, you know, stories like ours, oh, you know, or having been a runner or no runner, you know, there's there is a trajectory and you have to get in at one point and And the graph that you put in at that stage is invaluable. I mean, I, I went from being an office runner. I then went on to set and working on location and up at five in the morning and your your introduction to the world of production or you know i I was lucky enough to work in lots of different departments because of that you know i was able to work in the camera department the art department i was kind of a trainee spark for a bit working with you know working with fantastic people and you know some of the stories and and the great characters that you meet you almost get like a strange bird's eye view because you're almost a bit invisible you know you're visible in that you're always you're omnipresent Do you know what I mean yeah. everyone needs you when they need you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you exist. Yeah, yeah yeah so you get you get this strange kind of insight and it, you know I it I always feels like you're you're kind of a bit of a voyeur as a runner it's amazing because you can you can just kind of get a bit involved in lots of different things but you know it is it, true to say that the very good runners usually go on to be very good at you know, a very good third, second, first AD or, you know, and all those various other paths that they might take.
1: Yeah, so, so, so coming from running and having this experience to be a spark and all that sort of thing, and, and looking at the, the world that production live in and all the different roles, what made? of course you said when you were DJing and doing music that you had, a, had an interest and passion for like promoting other people's talents and introducing, Was that still lingering when you were doing all these different roles and you knew that you sort of want to be more behind the scenes and nurturing and helping people's talent and that was sort of a way in?
0: Well, I I, I guess so. I mean, I... I I really enjoyed it as a job, as a runner, but you know, you have to under, you have to know what your progression is going to be. So it's fine going, well, I did a bit of that and I did a bit of that, but you really have to work out what path it is that you want to take because every, every minute that goes by, you know, you could have been investing into becoming a cameraman or becoming a director or, or whatnot. And again, it's, I, I didn't feel that real buzz to make my own short film or, you know, At that point, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved the world that I was inhabiting. So yeah. it was kind of, I didn't feel a, clear, feel a clear path. However, I then thought, this is really, really interesting, but I need to know what I wanted to do. And that's when I, I actually, after doing it for a few years, I stepped out of it because I didn't feel the thing that was pulling me in. And I thought, I, I want to I go and get a real job and learn about life. And you know maybe, maybe I'm interested in other things other than the thing which I kind of was almost presented as. as, as a, it was a fantastic option, but I didn't really know what the other options were. And I ended up working at Sony Music in marketing. Um, I worked in a, 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 I mean, talk about one to the other. I worked on a building site as a laborer. And then managed to blag a a job, not even a job, an internship, a financial brokerage. So it was literally going from one to the other and and, uh, you know I went from wearing you know builder's gear to wearing a suit and I did a bit of work, a a kind of placement at a, a PR firm. So I had all these really kind of strange, diverse experiences but just the tip of the iceberg of any of them and i was i found myself working uh, for my uncle he has a wine business I, again i didn't know anything about wine but he's like you need a job and it was tough times at the time finding a job was tricky i don't have a degree and he said you can work in the warehouse so i thought great you know I, I'll, I'll i'll get a job it's a job that'll do and i was driving a van and stacking crates of wine in a warehouse and I, I got a call from a friend of mine who's an, an actor, and he said, look, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm working in a wine like, shop, like, of course. <laughs> obviously. And I'm like, I don't even drink wine. You know, I... I, it was a <laughs> oh, job. I would have loved that. I'm a massive
1: wine drinker. I would have loved that, working in a wine shop.
0: Well, it was... I mean, this was, it was it, this was in a warehouse. So I was literally... I was up early. I was in a van, and I would fill the van, and I would drive... From West Brompton in Fulham all the way through to East London and drop off wine at different restaurants and it was yeah. go go go. I have to say at the time driving a van I thought if I could get paid for this really well this is it. I fucking love it. A van ah. on the road, the van rules because you're driving quick and you're just anyway. But this and I, but it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wasn't really interested in it. But this friend of mine said, look, I'm. I, He's, he said, look, I'm working on a film in, in Berlin and I've got, it's my first starring role and I can have an assistant and I, I think you need to get out of what you're doing because you don't enjoy it and come and be my assistant on this film. And I found myself in Berlin for like, it turned out to be nearly three months because there was stops, weather breaks. It, he ended up breaking his foot in the middle of filming, so they had to put the whole film wow, and okay. pause. It was mental. And, and basically I, I got a job which started off as, you know, his as assistant, but I ended up essentially being his, his agent, agent's assistant. So I, I was in the, he's got an agent in London, an agent in LA, and, and then there was me in the middle. And he basically said, look, you just fucking deal with it, Charles. You know, if they've got, if they need something, let them talk to you. And, and then you talk to me and that's fine. Not yeah. in a prickish way, but in a way yeah. that you just got, it was a really intense shoot. And am he's one of my best friends in the world. So, you know, here I am living this entourage dream in my mind. And, you know, and I thought, this is, this is pretty great. You know, I really like, you know, I like this role. It's kind of, you, you get to kind of live vicariously, <laughs> you know, through this. Engagement with with the with the production and with the agents and with everyone, but you're really there facilitating something. Yeah, and and it really gives you a voice. And it, you know, we did this film in three months, and he was like, "Look, great, we're gonna we're gonna go to LA. I got another project, man." And I'm like, "Fucking done, wicked, my my calling." And he's like, "Oh, well, On the last week of film, he said, "My my girlfriend's pregnant," and. I'm going to have to, you know, after this, I'm going back to LA and, you know, and and the dream ends here. And yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, and I'd quit my job and and I'd, you know, and I was, I'd broken up with the girlfriend I was with at the time. And it was like, I'd gone all in on this thing. And I came back and I went back and lived at my mum's and I was like, what do I do? So I, I found this thing called, I actually had a meeting with Duncan Heath. Duncan Heath, who's the, you know, the supremo of independent talent. And he said, well, well you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I've had this little taste, I'd love to be an agent. He said, when's the last time you went to the theater? And I said, well, I didn't go to the theater. And I said, oh, I was spam a lot <laughs> with, my, <laughs> with, my, with my parents. And he's like, okay, that's not a great answer. He's like, go away. And I want you to come back in two months and I want you to have seen everything. So I went to the theater twice a week, I saw every film I could possibly watch, everything new, went to the cinema, cinema, went on my own. You know, I would go and, and have an opinion and write my own little reviews. And funnily enough, I came back after two months and he said, I'm taking a bit of a break from acting. My girlfriend's pregnant. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh no! And, oh, so yeah, frustrating. And, 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 I mean, and, great, great they're getting pregnant,
0: but well, it's so frustrating, yeah, frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he said, yeah, actually, his, his his girlfriend had had a baby born prematurely, and he had to take a bit of time away from the business. So I'm like, I'll oh, back to square one again. Um, but you know, it it was just graph, graph. I knew at that point what I wanted to do, Hustle, and hustle, hustle. It was yeah. it, it, it was my my, my brother in law gave me a great piece of advice which I would stand by and it basically was my driving force and when I didn't have anything when I did come back and I didn't know what was going on he said what do you want to do and I said well you know I want to be successful and you know and it was a very vague answer and he went listen Charlie no no fucker has ever said to me I want don't want to do well and I just want to and I just want to just You know, I don't want to be a success. This this is the obvious answer. He said, find out what it is that you're good at and find out what you can do, what you can get into, what's your way in. And and I really just took it on board and I tried to work out what it was I thought I was good at, what had been my driving force up to this point. So, you know, I I assessed that and I stuck it and I said, all right, well, I'm going to give myself a time. I was 28 at this point. I'm going to give myself a goal and I said by the time I'm 35 I want to be in this place. And uh and I and I went back and I there's a thing called the PMA which is like the APA basically. Yeah and it is a it's it's Prod- Pro- Pro- produced production managers association or some whatever it's called. um And and I started at the top of all the agencies in London and I just went through every single one and emailed them or called them or sent them my CV. And I did it every day. And I'd call them and say no, and i went for interviews and I didn't get the job. And it was just keep, keep, keep going. And I got to see, and a company called CMM, based at Ealing Studios, said, well, actually, our assistant's just left. Could you, could you come in today? You know, we, we are interviewing. So I went in and it was this tiny little office in Ealing Studios, which is an amazing, and I think it's the oldest film studio in, in the UK. It is, I've been there, set- it's an
1: amazing studio.
0: It's so brilliant. Awesome, isn't it? Yeah. And this this kind of mad lady comes out and she's got these big dogs and she's got this little office in the back. And she's like, look, can you start on Monday? And I was like, well, you know, we had an interview, had a little chat, I told her about my experience and da 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 da." She said, yeah, go on then, let's see what you've got. And I have to say, I did nearly three years there and I worked my way up to being an agent. And it was one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. And it paid no money, um, but it had been, you know, it taught me thick skin. It taught me perseverance. And, you know, it was every day a graft. Every day, pick up the phone. You're calling people you don't know. They don't want to talk to you most of the time. It's a, you know, I I mean, I have literally done so many jobs, including, you know, sales where, you know, I worked for TalkTalk for two weeks. You knock on the door and you say, hi, I don't know if you heard about the you know the new landline yeah yeah, yeah yeah buy and so, to. You and, know, this, but, yeah you know those fucking people i know but like
1: so at this time those three years were you living at home still then is that how you because obviously if you weren't paying because obviously a lot of people yeah. love to do assistant I internships. i come back All right, yeah because a lot of people want to do internships and, and assistant stuff but obviously the cost of london is so expensive so it's quite difficult some sometimes to these do these sort of things unless you live at home i
0: mean it was I mean, I've probably given you a kind of very convoluted timeline trying to work out where, what fitted in where. There was lots there was lots of different breaks and ups and downs and living with mates and, you know, being there, living with a girlfriend or, you know. Yeah, you know there yeah, was yeah, a time yeah. when I was completely unemployed and I was on, you know, how I had housing benefit. I was going to the job seekers. They were paying my rent. I was living at a place where they'd cover X amount and I got paid by, you know. 140 pound every two weeks by job seekers whilst looking for a job. Mm -hmm. You know, I was lucky enough to have friends that had rooms, spare rooms in flats, you know, and they would rent them out to me for, you know, just about an affordable amount. (laughs) Mate rates, exactly. So it was, it was a, it was a real graft, you know, and it was, but it, it, really was the foundation of going. Oh, I'm on this path now. I'm gonna stick to this path, and um, and that kind of that that led me up to my reintroduction mm. to to advertising
1: yeah so so in these moments of like it's because i think everyone at the moment even because we have covid now i think everyone is like sort of like grinding and hustling to kind of get things going and developing things and some things there's that, like you've got your fingers in lots of different pies and you there was it sounds like there were so many opportunities where you thought it's going to go and then it drops and then you're like okay it's going to work okay it's going to drop what was your sort of mental process? Do you have a i'm assuming you had like your downers
0: as well as your uppers absolutely man it was it was really it was tough uh, it was really really tough there was there was moments of you know i mean i still get them you know of self-doubt you know where you're just yeah like, you know i don't know what the fuck i'm doing you know <laughs> a- am i making a terrible decision do i you know do i keep going with this or you know But I think perseverance is the key. And you know, someone asked, what would you say to somebody young in a business? And it was a stick at it because it does get better. And it is, it's about perseverance. It's about picking up the phone. It's about reach out. It's it's tricky because my job, you know, as we know, you know, I'm sure what you do, it's very self-motivated. There's no other fucker that's gonna make you do it, but you, Yeah. and it's okay. Some days you get out, you're like, I can't do this today. I can't mm. be infused. But you can find it, you know, whether or not it's like pick up a book for a bit or turn on the telly, or go for a walk. You, you do those little switches to, to, to change up your perception are so important.
1: Yeah, and I was, I was literally talking to my producer about this about an hour ago, about like when you had those moments where you feel like your mental approach isn't going to be productive anymore it's okay just to like back off for a tiny second, go for that walk or go and make a, a, that lunch and have an extra hour of lunch and then come back rather than go, I must do this, it's gotta happen now. Like frustration, 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 stress, stress, stress and it doesn't really make the problem any easier because it just stress doesn't work. And it's just really important to do the, as, mu- as much as you possibly can and then it comes to a point where the universe, if you believe in the universe, will do its thing. Like there's only so much you can do before like, it comes like out of your hands.
0: It, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I think we, we do put pressure on ourselves to, to come up with the goods uh, all the time. I mean, you know, it is. You, you, because you kind of all, you're testing yourself as much as anything, and the pressure to go well, actually, maybe, maybe I, maybe I don't know what I'm doing is a horrible, horrible realization to come to. So you, you're always kind of running, running from that. Um, but you know, I, I think that putting that amount of pressure on yourself and always having to come up with the goods, you know, you, you might not be able to do it today, but tomorrow you probably will. And you know, I guess that's the kind of a general like mental health kind of approach to things which is tomorrow might be better you know or yeah. it will be better it, will be it better. can be better or you can make it, or you can make it better Ah, uh, you know? yeah there's,
1: there's a mantra that i say to myself every morning and i've probably said it multiple times in this podcast but i do this sort of like morning meditation and i repeat to myself happiness is a choice happiness is a choice because i because you can
0: while crying
1: you <laughs> well whilst crying into my Vuitton. <laughs> um, uh, no but but I always I always say that there's that it's important to find what your content is at life because content shouldn't really move but happiness does move like you should be really yeah. content about what you do but your happiness goes up and sort of down and so I think that's the sort of mental approach that you can have is that happiness is a choice you can make yourself feel a bit happier by putting different things in place to make you feel better that makes you feel good like it's like doing going for a walk or going for a swim or going for a run things that you can do that makes you slightly more happy when you're feeling times of times down
0: i I agree but i I also think that people people expect happiness uh, uh, you know, it, it's a kind of an expectation that we're given, you know, being happy is, is something that, it, 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 oh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to look for, but you know, it, it's, we, we take it for granted. that You don't have to be happy all the time, you know. It's, not, no, it's not possible to be happy all the time though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know people worry that, oh, why, why aren't I happy? Sometimes you do really great things when you're when you're stressed or when you're down or introspection, or all those other things, and then you come out and you go, "Oh, now I'm happy because I did all that graph. When exactly. I was but science tells us
1: tells us though uh, that it's really great at at points to be stressed and anxious. Like there's a, there's there's a level of anxiety and stress that's really bad, but some some good of it is really really great. Like it's good to be anxious and stressful because that's when we t- sort of like we're in our uncomfortable state and that's when we keep growing as a person. But the thing of like always be happy and always be present doesn't really always work and it, it, and it shouldn't always work. We can't always be present. Like there is a point where you need to look in the future and there's a point where you need to slightly look in the past, but Major- I, I, I look at like 75% of your time needs to be in the present. And the rest of those percentages, you need to look at the future and look at the past because you can't always be in the present moment. You can't always be happy, but you can obviously
0: manage it. Yes. Can I ask you a question, which is- Of course, yeah. You know, of, of, which is of, of all the, and it just, it just occurred to me, you know, of all the, and it's a great thing that you're doing. I think it's, it's I mean, it's it's great to kind of connect with people, engage with people and, and and it it kind of makes you feel a bit human, you know, having an actual yeah. conversation. As a, of course, um, of and, course, And I, I wonder, you know, often Zooms in, you know, what well, at least in my experience, a lot of it is, is quite salesy and, and, you know, people kind of want to, want to get in touch for a reason. Have you found it therapeutic, you know, having these conversations with people and, um, Man, you know, yeah. cause I listened to a few of yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I always say to people, this is my therapy. Like my producer asked me today, like, oh, he was, he was saying uh, about, we're talking about therapy. He said, if you have a therapist, and I was like, no, I don't need one. And I reflected on this going, I don't need one because I'm doing it pretty much every time I do a podcast. Like I just yeah. talk to people the- about loads of different topics about mental health, like perspective, like ambition, success, journeys, and understanding where, how people have overcome challenges and stuff. So it kind of lets, it, I can relate to it in a certain way or understand from their point of view and then let me reflect on my own journey. So yeah, it basically is like therapy for me, doing these sort of things.
0: Great. It's yeah, I, I listened to and I think you've got such an interesting alumni, I guess, or whatever, of, of people that have done this. I was listening to Yovan's one earlier. Oh yeah. Um, because I used to I don't know I, I used to I used to I used to work with Jovan at Stink and mm-hmm. um He's, an, he's such a great guy. We were, mm. uh, and He's kind of this kind of philosophical character as well that, you you know, he's like, you know, like directors are, you know, really kind of. They kind of exist in their own sphere within within our industry. You know, you know, we, we kind of are doing jobs and they, they are doing their thing. Do you know what I mean? Whereas <laughs> yeah. they get to go there and it's this kind of, you know. Larger than life characters, but he was—he was—he's. I found him such an interesting bloke. I really like listening to his podcast, and um, uh, and 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 having met him and hang out with him in Cannes at the shots party, and you know, then also you know working on pitches with him and all sorts. It's yeah, it's yeah. nice to have such a kind of a rounded insight that you kind of that you you manage to get from people. I, yeah, and it's
1: the same thing because That's we right. had, we had, I think we had Joe Connor on. It. Yeah, we definitely we had Joe Connor on as well. Uh, who's i think from rogue films as well he is indeed and so um w- one and, and of the
0: nicest men in the world
1: he he honestly generally is such so just a lovely guy like, every time i kind of like pick his brain i'm like who did the dp on your this little film and he gives me like a, like, a, like the, the name and links me to the, and it's just so, he he has time for people and that's what i love about him but i i think some of that you just try and go is about you get to see someone from a totally different perspective on this podcast and that's what the beauty of kind of understanding someone from a 360 point of view. Like I, I keep saying this to a lot of people that come on the show is that we, we only see some people from like their work or their social presence and we have a perceptive or perception of what they're gonna be like, like depending on how their work is perceived and the way that they, we, they're, they're curating it and stuff. And so it's so lovely to be talking to them on a personal point of view to say what's your favourite colour or what did you feel when you were doing this or what was your childhood like. But you understand exactly where their headspace is. And so when for me when I look at their work next time I go, oh, I can understand now why you've made that choice or where it's come from because now I know from what you're what you're feeling. And also, I think I think the days of like before social media, the internet, the idea of what celebrity is, it was that kind of hidden veil. And nowadays we have social media, we have podcasts and all that sort of thing that these people who are these film directors, these CEOs, these companies, we can now have these kind of dark, these conversations and they're actually human beings and they do have self doubts and they do have all these things that I'm thinking as well. And so it lets you connect them in a totally different way.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, 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 in, in my process, in my, in my, you know, when every, every time I, you know, every, when I meet directors and, you know, and I start working with people, I, I, I kind of do something similar to this with them. And I, and I love to sit there and I almost interview them and say, well, let's let, can we, can we have a bit of a, a you know, your first impression conversation, you know, I, you know, I've worked a few places now and work with lots of directors and, and, and it, I, I want to interview them. I want to know what they're like. And so I'm, I'm really, it's very rare that, you know, you, you, you turn the other way around. I'm, I'm, fuck, what do I do? Um, exactly. What, well,
1: the thing, as I said before we started, it's like an A, B situation. Sometimes I'm A in this interviewee, interviewer, you and you B, sometimes you're A and you're B. It's not like you're interviewing me or I'm interviewing you. We're just having a conversation. And I think it's quite nice to, for, it, for it to be flipped now that you are actually just been having a conversation too rather than you thinking about all the questions and you interviewing someone that you potentially were working with or directors that you're pitching and stuff
0: yeah 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 no i i, I would start i started kind of uh, i did i leave it to the last minute because i don't i was i don't want to overthink this conversation too much i'm sure what the questions I, i'll have an answer of somewhere or another yeah i, I don't I'm just I, and i uh, i I was going to say, I'm not,
1: I, I, feel, I feel like I'm not too, um, I don't, I don't throw really interesting political curveball questions. I'm like, okay, let's just, cause I, I think I started <laughs> off, I think I did start off going like really in depth, maybe like really f- philosophical questions. And then I think I really realized, I was like, eh, that, that would be really scary. If, I, if someone asked me those really like hard hitting questions, I'd be like, I think that's it's a bit too much, so I think I, I hope that I hope I come across more like friendly and it's less of like um, uh, on the on the spot sort of thing. Because I think if you're if you're being ambushed, I think that's that's the worst thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess you're gonna you'll find some some probably some quite interesting answers as well at this time in life. You know, given that there's so much, there's so many political points, so many uh, points of view as well. Which and and I, but I was thinking about you know. all all the different things and what seems to be a strange point and a difficult point at the moment is 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 polarization so to to then suddenly swerve back into this kind of you know pseudo-intellectual answer um but you know it is that, that things are so polarized and then the debate having a gray area changing points of view is it seems to be a thing that we're kind of lacking quite a lot at the moment it's everyone thinks you're either left or you're right, you're red or you're blue, you know. It's, it's quite, having these conversations and being a part of society, I guess, is, is hopefully gonna bring us into a bit more, I'm not saying a centralized position, but at least in a position where, you know, when you're on your own, you, you can, you find yourself reinforcing everything you do believe by, you know, looking up all the, you know, the, the, the evidence which supports your theory. So, you know, if you leave people alone, you know, for a year, those points of views that they had in the first place are going to become so entrenched. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about this, and, and actually, and you're seeing with Clubhouse and all the various different platforms is, is opportunities for people to get into a space where they can have a discussion. And, mm-hmm. and then, and hopefully that brings us some cohesion Sorry, I don't really quite know where I was going with this, but you know, it, it's it's so great that there are these platforms and they spring up because it feels like a, a social necessity for people to engage with one another.
1: Yeah, so so true. And so as we sort of round up our podcast, um what we love to do in, on, on here is I'll give back to our audience. And so we've t- I mean we've touched upon loads of different things about what you would like advise other people in and other different topics, but what is one thing that's really inspired you or kind of kept you going to the point where you are now that you would probably give to someone else that, uh, that may be having times of doubt at the moment or, or, it, or even an up or a down?
0: Now that is, that, is, that is a, I mean, what do you mean, work-wise or do you just mean personal generally? life life thing. mean up I mean, I, I mean I, my 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 job of my life are so intertwined and, and I guess the thing that that keeps pushing me forward in, and keeping me engaged is is being interested basically I think that the thing that has kept me going is keep engrossing yourself immersing yourself in the things that you're you know that you that you want to get better at that you want to know more about whether or not that is watching films on netflix and having opinions and see watching things that you don't normally watch you know i've watched so much foreign cinema you know it sounds a bit wanky to say but you know it was like i don't do enough of that so let's do that and when it comes to work it's it's no it's really getting to the root of you know of what Motivates me knowing as much as I can about the people I work with, whether it's my directors and looking through their show reels, looking, finding out about their history. You know, looking at you know our industry as a whole. You know what's required. Keep asking questions. Essentially, I guess is kind of what it boils down to. Asking myself questions um, that hopefully you know I can find some answer or solution to that might prove useful tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah. True, <laughs> in a nutshell. That's yeah, a, real in a nutshell. nutshell, isn't
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on Three Sixty yourself. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you, and you're such a, like a charming, nice guy with a great energy. So, and I hope it, and I hope it does come across because I'm obviously seeing him and his smile and everything on 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 Zoom. So, hopefully, the voice of the the warmth and the energy that he's sharing with me shares to you as well. So, thank you again so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: This is 360 Yourself, and I'm Jamie Neal. Thank you very much for taking a moment to listen to our wonderful guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our brilliant guest episodes. They are released every Sunday at 12pm. We are available on all listening platforms. Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Podcasts and Castro. You can also find us on Instagram at 360 underscore yourself, Twitter at yourself360, and our host at JamieNeilJN. Thank you for listening.